Yo, yo, yo. Episode 12. I believe episode 12, right? Episode 12. Um, <laughs> it's so hard to like keep up with like the numbers or whatever already. Just imagine I get to like 100 and I get to whatever, you know. But uh, yeah, episode 12, I believe. Talking to myself very well. Always doing it very well. For your entertainment. For my entertainment. Um, this episode, I'm going to just really react to game one and game two of the finals, as you would probably expect. I've been very, very entertained with this series. Um, it's been very good so far. I think we, you know, seeing two great teams go back and forth in this series, you know, so I just think it's a very, very fun series and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And I have a lot of thoughts on these first two games alone and some of the comments made by Draymond after game two uh, that I'm sure people are going to talk about all tomorrow. Trust, the media hate on Draymond a lot, but they love to hear Draymond talk the way he talk in game because they get to crush him and have all types of opinions of him, you know, you know, a uh, uh, Monday and Tuesday, you know, uh Going to game three on Wednesday, they have all the conversation they need now. Just off that one quote alone, um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, um, you can follow me on Twitter, NewJNUJAYYYY. That's like the main place I always like to say. I got other like socials and stuff. I want to plan on doing something big with like the YouTube and really uh, visually do something with the podcast and everything. Um, I think that could just bring another another, uh, lane, another, you know, just try something else. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, game one happened. Steph, you know, comes out to a big first quarter. You still have to give him credit for hitting those shots. But as everybody said, the Boston Celtics was giving him shots that he should make as the greatest shooter ever. And he, he was making those shots. Um, it, it was very surprising to see any team. I mean, not only for them to be a great defensive team, but it could have been the Pistons or whatever, like, Bad teams do not let Steph Curry in the regular season get those type of shots. Like, literally, we see all throughout the regular season, Steph gets trapped. And he, he, you know, screens and stuff. Guys are going after him and stuff. So it was very interesting to see how the defense was just giving him those threes, you know, especially from in, in the finals, you know, like, wow. But um, threes and I'm like, OK, it's only a four point game right now. And the game was just flowing on, and Steph didn't score the second quarter, but the Warriors' offense, to their credit, was still flowing pretty well. Um, but Boston, they continued to score the ball. It was hard for the Warriors to really to really get those stops, to really build some type of lead. And at halftime, you look up, and they win in the game, you know. So it was a very uh, fun first half. The third quarter come, the Warriors are having that typical Warriors third quarter. I thought it was very important. Their, you know, their ball movement, like, they – always like click the best when they're like just playing with that right flow not turning the ball over you know real decisive and smart with the ball getting the type of shots from the perimeter that they want when Andrew Wiggins is somehow getting those offensive rebounds or when Draymond is you know getting that pass from Steph and making the right decision when you know somehow somebody gets an easy layup like you know a uh, uh, loony you know what I mean like just getting it going Steph obviously always hits those big shots in the third quarter I thought it was kind of similar like it wasn't like the the best like first three quarters of offense from the Warriors because obviously Clay and Poole wasn't really all that good. Wiggins was doing his thing, but he wasn't all that great scoring the ball either. So it was like after the first three quarters, though, it was it, it was still a pretty good uh, 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 a game for the Warriors scoring the ball-wise. 
And then the fourth quarter happened. The fourth quarter happened. And, and for some reason, like, the fourth quarter felt like it happened in, like, so quick. Like, like it was the quickest fourth quarter ever. Like, in the quickest flip you ever seen ever. It was um bad, in my opinion. Like, Iggy, I get that he's out there because he's a veteran. And to be honest, to his credit, he did hit a couple of those, you know, shots or whatever. Or, like, score, you know, a little bit. The most you, you can expect for him to score. But he really sh- he has no business playing on the court. Honestly, he has no business. Number one, because even like fact based wise, he's just not healthy enough to play. Like he's always injured. He's not healthy enough to play basketball. I don't know if he ever should play basketball after this season. Like this probably should be his last season. On top of that, though, on top of that, though, I, I just think as a player, I don't really see that much value in what he does. Like, do you really think defensively he's that much better than an auto porter or that much better than like a I'll say it sometimes then a uh, uh Jonathan Kaminga. Like, how much impact does he really have on the floor? A B Aliso, while he's bad on defense, and to his credit, we just seen the game too. He hasn't really been all that bad on defense so far. Like the little bit of minutes he's got in that Dallas series and so far in the Boston series, he hasn't really been getting torched on defense like that. But anyways, I would say, um actually no. Actually, no, I might have to take that back because I remember Luka kind of cooking him a little bit, but that is Luka. Luka is one of the best one-on-one players in the league. But anyways, what I'm saying is I just really don't think Iggy has that much impact on the court. And to not have, like, Wiggins play more minutes out there was a big, big loss for the Warriors. You know, so uh, not having Gary Payton the second out there, I still don't really have a thought. I mean, I do feel like the Warriors – the players, everybody from this season, they talk about how important he is to their team. Like Gary Payton the second, he does the perfect role player type of things. He's a pest on defense, ninety four feet. He he can get somehow rebounds. He somehow always hits like that big three when they need a three, when the offense isn't really flowing, or when they just need to just continue to build on, on that run. He, you know, he'll hit a three. He'll drive to the rim, draw a foul. He'll make a big dunk. Like he's just somehow always in the right spot like he's a very 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 smart basketball player i do feel like he he plays best on a team like the warriors in my opinion like but he could go somewhere else and have a you know like some type of impact because of his defense because of his ability to somehow somehow you know find a way to score the ball you know i do feel like he can go somewhere else and get some you know some type of impact but his best impact is with the Golden State Warriors because those like layups that he be getting some of that is a product of him just being a smart basketball player but a lot of that is because of the Warriors unique offense that is different from the other 28 29 teams in the NBA but um so I don't know why he didn't play game one but give the Boston Celtics credit Derek White was hitting those threes Al Horford was hitting those threes and Al Horford has been great from three but you, you do also still kind of feel like, and I might get killed for saying this, but you still kind of always feel like it's kind of fluky. Like, not the fact that he'll hit an open three, but the fact that he would hit that many threes in the same fourth quarter, it kind of just feels a little fluky or whatever. Like, we just saw against, what was that? I think against Giannis, right? Second round of the playoffs. He had, like, his best scoring game. And it wasn't even, like, a crazy high-scoring game. But for Al Horford, obviously, it was, like, a high-scoring. I think it was, like, 30 he had or something like that. It was, like, 
playoff career high. So that just gives you an idea of like why I feel like it was kind of fluky for him to hit those, you know, that many threes because he could score the ball a little bit, but he's not going to really kill you with his scoring. And he killed the Warriors with his scoring, get him his credit. And the finals, he showed up in his first finals game and played big. I thought Tatum, while he didn't shoot the ball well, I feel like in game one, he did he did all the smart things you could do. The only thing he didn't do well was just knock down shots that he typically knocks down. But he was getting great looks, you know, because the Warriors, they would give up those open threes. Uh, 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 Memphis, Dallas, they'll give you open threes. They're still a great team on defense. And it is kind of based off, like, this series in Dallas, how they set up their defense, how they design their defense. That's why, before somebody criticized the Warriors for giving up those open threes, that's kind of the reason why they give up those open threes because that's kind of how they design their defense, focusing on Luka, focusing on Tatum and Brown, trying to put pressure on those guys, you know, trying to keep them away from the rim or whatever. It will offer opportunities for other guys, you know, the role players to get those open threes, and it's where they knock them down, where they not. Derek White knocked those threes down. Have to give him credit. Um, and so far, I mean, game two, you know, he hit some shots in game two as well. You know, so it might it might just be something you have to just deal with. You know, you might or it, it would be crazy if game three, game four, for you know, bad luck for the Celtics, he just go cold, and you know, Horford just go cold. You know what I mean? Game three, game four, that that would be bad luck for him. But, um. Yeah, game one, give him credit. Jalen Brown was great. He's been great throughout this playoffs. The conference finals, they were talking him. He should have been a conference finals MVP. You know, I, I, my my opinion, I didn't have no opinion, no real opinion of it. Like I was pretty cool with Tatum getting the award. I, I, I still thought Tatum hit some big shots, played some very good defense, but. Jalen Brown probably was more consistent on, on the offensive side of the ball that series, but whatever. That's the conference finals. Jalen Brown has been great throughout the uh, playoffs, and to see his growth as a player, like him, him doing this, I already said like I, I'll take a Jalen Brown over like a Kyrie. I know Kyrie's offensive skill is higher, and his talent offensively is better, but I can count on Jalen Brown's production and his effort and his energy more often than a, 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 a Kyrie or whatever. And I'm not picking on Kyrie because that is one of my favorite players in the league. But I, I got to be honest about everybody. And Jalen Brown is just real, real, real talented. So he's another guy like Jimmy. Like, if you was to be the kind of person that cares about ranking players, that cares about putting guys up against other guys, where do you rank a Jalen Brown in the league? Is he a top 10? I mean, he's definitely not top 10. Definitely not. But is he uh, itching towards that top 15? Like... That's probably the conversation, the best conversation you could have, you know, for him. I know Celtics fans feel feel that way. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy that you will, any team, like, he could literally fit on any team, you know, but this Boston Celtics team is a good team for him because he can take a lot of shots because they require for him to take a lot, of, like, outside of Tatum, who else is going to shoot the ball 20-plus times, you know, or close to 20 times? Like, you need Jalen Brown to do that. So this is the perfect team for him to, to where he could – fully grow and fully show his full potential as a player on both ends of the court. Some games, he's controlling the ball. Some games, he's dishing the ball. I mean, we've we seen it in game one in the fourth quarter where he was controlling the game and stuff. Like, this is the perfect kind of team for uh, Jalen Brown, you know, where some, somewhere else, he has the game to go somewhere else. But for people talking about trading him, he might not actually be able to grow somewhere else because you might have a better player or somebody that, that you know, looked at as the better player. Like, 
So he can't really shoot the ball or really control, you know, playoff games the way he probably should, you know. So he's just been great throughout the playoffs. We'll see if he can uh, keep that going at home in Boston. Um, game two, the Warriors come back game two. And oh, first of all, before that, game one, let's also talk about the things the Warriors did wrong more so about that, that fourth quarter real quick. I thought their offense just really, really, really was out of rhythm. I think they let the the Celtics so hot on offense, I mean, hitting shots that they probably didn't expect them to hit, let's be honest, whether they should have or shouldn't have. I feel like the Warriors didn't expect for Derrick White to hit those threes, for Jalen Brown to just go crazy and go on that run himself, for Al Horford to be so, like, filled with so much energy all of a sudden and just hitting shots and looking like a top five, top three center in the league, you know what I mean? Like, he was looking great, you know, or powerful, whatever. But I thought they let that mess up their uh, offense. And the, the typical Warriors offense are them playing with energy, guys moving around, guys cutting to the rim, somehow getting a good dunk or, or or somehow at the end of the shot clock getting a layup, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things that the Warriors do, do. And the Celtics, credit to them, their perimeter defense was great. So, like, at times when Steph was trying to break down his guy and get to the rim and get into some type of, you know, offense, they would, you know, play good perimeter defense. They're helping. They're, they're shading guys. You know, like, they did things that great defenses do. So you have to give the Celtics credit on that end as well because what they did defensively, like, they were playing amazing offense, like kicking their ass on offense, then kicking their ass on defense. It, that fourth quarter was like, let's turn up and let's kick their ass, and they did exactly that that fourth quarter. Um and Draymond was just bad. Draymond was just bad. I do agree with the, the you know, uh, I guess, take that Draymond needs to score the ball more, you know, because Warriors history show whenever Draymond has not a great, you know, scoring game, but let's say 10, you know, 13, 14, 16 points. Whenever he does that, the Warriors typically win those games outside of like the infamous, like his his playoff no, his career high was in Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, but he had, like, 37 points. I saw that infamous game where they lost. He typically, like, whenever he's having a good scoring night for him, they they win. So um, I do agree with that, but we saw Game 2. Draymond didn't really, like, I think he might have scored more than what he did Game 1, but that's not saying much. I think he had, like, probably, like, six points, you know, eight points probably maybe, like, you know, he got some free throws or whatever. But Draymond's game was way better because his defense was better. He made better decisions with the ball. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Draymond, always good games, has him playing great defense, like guarding those layups, guarding those dunks, like protecting the rim very well. That's what Draymond good games always have. Then on the offensive end, his games always have him controlling the game well, getting those assists, making those hockey assists, screening for, you know, Steph, screening for, like, other guys, you know, like, controlling the offense. When Steph is getting trapped and he throws it to Draymond, Draymond has to then take the offense and make something happen. And that's where Draymond is at his best. That's when Draymond is having a good game. Now, when Draymond having an amazing game, it comes with all of that, all that offense, you know, and all that defense. But on top of it, it's him scoring the ball. Now, he didn't have a great game, but he had a very good game because, like I said, he brought, what you know, his defense that, you know, you want him to give you. And then on offense, I thought he played very well on uh, 
that in as well. Definitely can feel like he heard a lot of the slander and stuff. And was like, let me play better this game too. And he did exactly that to his credit. He did exactly that. I thought he got it. Horford, Williams, Tatum, Brown, like all those guys, I thought whenever he had the opportunity to guard those guys, he did his job very well. He wasn't in foul trouble. That's another sign of, of a good Draymond game. You know, when he's not fouling, but he's that energetic on defense, I mean, like, he probably had like three fouls. I don't know, but like probably like three fouls, maybe two fouls, but like not actually in foul trouble, not fouling out the game. You know, like he had energy, but he wasn't fouling out the game. He almost got ejected, though, so... Look out for that. You know, Boston, they're going to be a little less nice to Draymond with that whistle. He can't get another tech. Well, I don't know. Is it one more technical and he's suspended for a game? I don't actually know. I probably probably should check that for sure. Probably should check that. That's a big, big, big story because Draymond always going to argue some call. He's always going to have some, you know, angry face and yell at the ref. He just can't stop himself from doing that. And you would think he would learn his lesson Especially in this finals, like 2016, he was younger. The Warriors was up 3-1, and he got suspended. This is a very, very, very even matchup where it's only a 1-1 series, and you're going back to Boston where they stole home court advantage so far in this series. You would think that he would learn not to really argue with the refs and get a technical or whatever, but we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Clay Thompson, game two. Again, he's taking... This is the thing. I continue to say you can slander Clay, but this is typical Clay Thompson. Now the difference is is that he's not hitting those shots as much. You know what I mean? But in the finals, even before the injury, Clay Thompson has not always been consistent in the in, in the finals. He's had plenty of bad shooting nights in the playoffs. Plenty of bad shooting nights in the finals. So this is kind of like Clay Thompson. I, I think it's just more so in people's mind, the, the the injury. So it's just so crazy. And I'm not saying the injury doesn't have no, like, obviously he's a different player than what he was before the injury. I'm not saying they have no impact. No way you get an Achilles and an ACL injury. And you're the same as that player. But what I'm actually saying is, is that he looks as if he's like, Pretty much like around the same guy. Like, this isn't that shocking for me, basically. Like, even if Clay Thompson never got that Achilles tear, never got that ACL, you know, injury, I still feel like he would, like, he's possible of having bad games like this. Like, this is just Clay Thompson. He always going to take those bad shots. But hopefully, you just hope that he can hit those shots. You just hope that he'll rain back just a little bit and give the ball up early in the shot clock and just sometimes just chill and just wait for your opportunity to get that ball back and fire like instead of early in the shot clock taking a taking a one you know leg mid mid-range jumper with a hand in your face like you're clay thompson you are one of the greatest shooters ever you are very talented you are a future hall of famer champion but i don't think especially with the way you've been shooting the ball lately that you're likely going to make that tough mid-range jumper. But it's like it's so weird because game three, he could play like he did game what game five against Dallas where he was incredible. That was like his best game of the playoffs. That was, that was one of his best games of the post, of the season. Forget the playoffs. Definitely the playoffs, but that's probably like his best game of the season because of how good he was throughout the entire game and because, you know, it was the conference finals. But, um... I do expect, though, for Klay Thompson to play very, very well game three, game four. I have a feeling Klay Thompson is going to be another unpopular maybe take. I think Klay Thompson is going to play very well game three, very well game four. I don't know what that means 35, 40. 
I'm not saying that, but I'm saying he's going to have very good games in game three and game four of the finals. I, I think so in Boston. It, Clay's just weird like that. He's just going through that. You know, I, you know, like, I say probably like a 20, like 8, 20, not like, basically like a 30-point game and then maybe like a efficient 25-point game. But I see a 30 and a 25 game from Clay Thompson, whether it's game three, game four, or maybe game three, he has 25, game four, he has 30. I'm going to just go out on a limb. That's what this is about as a basketball fan. You have to somehow, you know, sometimes just go with your gut and go with the history of what you feel is going to happen. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Clay Thompson is going to play better game three, better game four. Jordan Poole, I thought he had clearly his best game so far out of game one and game two. He still wasn't all that great in terms of, like, scoring the ball. It really didn't really start happening for him until, like, that crazy shot at the end of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter, which was garbage time, basically. He, you know, got himself going. But that's important, though. On, you know, ESPN commentary, Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, sorry about that, and uh, Jackson, they both were talking about how Clay Thompson could use that time to get himself going. Well, clearly Clay was still bricking, but Jordan Poole, he could have absolutely got himself going. I I, I believe in, in both of those guys to have better uh, uh, games in game three and game four in Boston. Um, Steph has been great. He's been great. On defense, man, again, Steph Curry is is a good defender. Like, that's why I was really, I mean, obviously the shots that he's hitting and the stuff that he's doing on offense, you're always going to be very, you know, uh, impressed with that stuff. But the defense by Steph is like, he's really a plus on that end. And when I talk about these, uh, you know, elite perimeter players, these elite point guards, these elite shooting guards, how many of them, I again ask, how many of them is as good as Steph on defense? How many of them? You can't say Ja, can't say Luca, can't say Trey. Devin Booker has been better on that end, but I, I think Steph is actually better than Devin Booker on defense. Like, he's actually a plus on that end. He's been that way, f especially this season, but last season he showed growth in that area. So, like, I'm just really impressed with what he was doing on defense and how he fights and how smart he is on that end. Um, and, yeah, he's been great. It's just crazy how people just so, like, so, like, oh, my God, look at the score when Steph hit this three, like, as if, like, it's the finals. Like, just because the Warriors have a 15-point lead or, like, a 10-plus point lead doesn't mean there's not still pressure when Steph is hitting these shots. Like, we know, first of all, today NBA, a 15-point lead is nothing. We've seen it game one. A 10-point, 15-point lead is nothing in the NBA right now. So, first of all, the First of all, like saying like, oh, look at Steph, he's hitting this shot when they up 15 points, like as if that actually you're actually saying something like the game is still still not won yet. It's the third quarter. Steph is hitting these shots. And you, you see idiots on, on Twitter talking about, oh, well, Steph Curry, da, 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 da. Obviously, these are people that just really root against Steph, that want Steph to lose, want Steph to play terrible deep down in their heart or obviously in their heart. You know, because some people are, are very open with they hate, and it is what it is. That's what comes with Twitter. But, like, stop it. Like, this whole, like, front-running thing is, like, so annoying to me because I feel like Steph, we've seen it even games I've, – I've, I've seen the Warriors lose games, and Steph is, like, still shooting crazy shots, and he's hitting these shots, and he's still, like, having fun and, like, still on the bench smiling, talking to his teammates. Like, that's Steph. Like, Steph has shown that in his career. Like, even when they – um, remember when 
first when uh Clay Thompson was out with the ACL injury, not the Achilles, but the ACL injury, and Steph missed, he missed most of that season with the hand injury and stuff. Even when he came back versus Toronto, watch that game again. It wasn't no crazy game for Steph. He had like twenty four points or something like that. He barely like played like the whole game, and, and they lost. That Warriors team was terrible, but he was still out there having fun. Like they were completely in the lottery, going to have a top five pick. Clearly, at that point, the season was lost. And he was still out there having fun. Like, that's Steph Curry. He hits shots and he smiles. He hits shots and he enjoys the crowd going crazy for him or the crowd booing him. Like, he enjoys that. That's just who he is as a basketball player. Same way when Draymond gets a layup, he likes to flex his muscles or whatever. That's Steph. He likes to smile and shimmy and have fun. You know what I mean? Like, that's just him. So the whole front-running thing, on top of the fact, like I said, it's a 10-point lead. It's a 15-point lead. The game isn't won. Like, in today's NBA, even college, we see a 10-point lead, a 15-point lead is nothing. You can lose that lead in a matter of a couple of minutes. Literally, you can lose that. Like, it can go from 15 to 6 in a span of two minutes. So, come on. And, and also... It is important, even if the Warriors was up, let's say not 15 points, they were up by 40 points, and Steph is hitting these shots. While you could try to call it front-running and try to call them out for that, I do still think it is important, though, because people are going to go through history, and because Steph is a legend of the game, they're going to look at his finals numbers. They're going to look at his percentages. What did he shoot from three? What did he shoot from the field this game? What did he shoot from the field from the series? Like, people already put this huge, huge light on Steph and what he does in the finals. So, yeah, those shots, let's say tonight, they were up by 15 or, like, over 10 points in the third quarter, and Steph is hitting these shots. You want to criticize him for front-running, but it's like, no. Like, how are you going to have it both ways? How are you going to actually say he's front-running, making these shots, but always want to pay attention to what he's shooting from the field? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Basically, these shots do matter to you. You're just trying to make it seem like it doesn't matter because he's hitting these shots because you're a hater and you're not a real basketball fan. You know what I mean? Like, KD said it best. I think a lot of people just don't enjoy basketball. Like, what do you like out of basketball? Why do everything have to be a negative? Why do everything have to be a problem? Why when Jason Tatum wants to, you know, honor Kobe, is that a problem? I don't know. I'm going on a rant right now that's kind of not purely focused on the X's and O's and who's going to win or not. But sometimes I just have to go on those like tangents or whatever because it's not just about Steph. It's about how people talk about basketball today and how Twitter has really influenced other people to talk about basketball this way. I just see it and it's just like very, it just doesn't make sense. Like you're going to criticize him for what he shoots from the field. So there is pressure for him to hit these shots, right? Like, like, Try to imagine you're in the finals and you know, like Steph knows what he shoots from the field at the end of the game, even though he's probably not thinking like this in that moment, obviously. So much happens right there on the court. But I'm saying Steph knows deep in the back of his mind that people are going to always pay attention to what he shoots from the field, what his points is like, what his percentage is like from the from, from three. People are going to pay attention to these things. So, yeah, when they're up about 20 points, it still is important for him to hit these shots because he can't just shoot 30% from, from a three for the series. He can't shoot 30% from the field 
and they win by 20. Like, it's important for him to still hit these shots, basically, because if he don't still hit these shots, no matter the score of the game, you're going to criticize him if he misses those shots. They could be up by 50. If he misses five threes and he shoot, he shoot, you know, two for 13 from three, you're going to criticize him for that. So, yeah, it there is pressure as a team because they were only up by 10, 15 points. So it's pressure on him as a team for them to still close out the game because they were only up by 15 points. But on top of that, even as an individual, if you care about legacy and stats and numbers and how people talk about you, then, yeah, it's still pressure on him because you're going to criticize him if he has a bad shooting night. So I know he's shooting the ball and they up by 15 points, but – yeah, it's pressure on him to still hit these shots because if he doesn't hit these shots, you're going to go on Twitter, talk about how he's overrated. You're going to use this as a as another thing to add to your narrative and your, oh, he's overrated. He's not showing up in the finals again, whatever. Steph has been great so far in this finals, and I think he will be great continuing in this finals. Um, And the Boston Celtics, man, these guys are tough. They're tough. I'm very interested in game three, man. Game three Wednesday, I feel like it, it should come quicker than game two. Game two feel like forever to come, but game three should come sooner. I believe in Jalen Brown to continue. He might, you know, slow down a little bit. Just just now, I mean, actually game two, you could say he kind of slowed down a little bit. But I feel like game three, game four, you could probably expect that out of him. Um, Tatum, I do feel like he kind of played somewhat a worse game than he did game one. And I heard Jason um, Jason Timp say this on, uh, volume, on the volume channel. Jason Timp, he's a great uh, basketball uh, uh, analyst, I guess you want to call him. He has like a, a show. Um, but he said it best, like, after reacting to game two, he, he said what I was feeling. Like, game two, he shot the ball better, and he almost had 30 points. So it's like, oh, he played better game two. But I think he might have played better better game one because his shot wasn't falling but he's showing that growth as a playmaker you know people was calling him out to be a better playmaker he showed that growth had 13 assists game one I don't know if he turned the ball a lot but he had 13 assists and it was because he understood that he did you know he wasn't shooting the ball well and his teammates were shooting the ball well and the Warriors most importantly they're going to give his teammates opportunities to score the ball. Like, it's his job because of how the Warriors are trying to play defense on him, how they can in on him. It's important for him to make those passes to his teammates for them to hit those open threes for a Peyton Pritchard, for a Grant Williams, for a Jalen Brown, for a Al Horford, Derek White. You know, Derek White, the the uh, sniper right now. It's important for him to get, get the ball to those guys because that's how the Warriors are, the, you know, playing their defense on them. In game two, I think he did less today. You know, he had like three assists. Now, I have to go back and watch the game. The game just happened. Maybe he was making those right passes and he was giving the ball up, but guys just wasn't hitting those those same shots that they was in game one. You know, but I just got the feel that he wasn't really giving the ball up and really getting into his teammates or whatever. I, he wasn't forcing shots, you know what I mean? But I'm saying like, Shoot those shots that you're shooting, but also do what you did in game one. Have a mix of both of being aggressive, you know, scoring the ball, but also giving the ball to your teammates. That's what makes you, you know, superstars do that. And I think Tatum is a superstar. So we'll see what happens game three. I actually, I know the uh, line has the Warriors losing that game three. Obviously, you know, it's a back and forth kind of series. That's kind of, you know, predicted right now. And I think because Boston obviously is home, they expect like a better uh, whistle for the Celtics and a close game. 
but I would actually have the Warriors win a game three. I think they're going to carry over this defense. And I think, again, the, the Celtics are not going to shoot that well from three. You know, like they're not going to shoot threes very, very, very good. I, I think the Warriors are going to have a more just a better consistent offense. It'll be probably like a closer game. It won't be a 20-point win for the Warriors, but I still think the Warriors kind of win a little comfortably. Like, it won't be a nail, nail, nail biter, like, to the very last second. It'll, you know, it'll be very entertaining. It, it, basically, the fourth quarter will matter. The fourth quarter ain't going to matter at the start of the fourth like it did game two. But I do think the Warriors pull away, like, run away with the game because I think their offense is going to be better. Like I said earlier, I think Klay Thompson is going to shoot the ball better. It's going to help him a lot. I think Steph is going to continue to show how great he is and how great he is versus this Celtics defense. And that's what, that's what I actually expect. I, I expect for the unpopular, I guess, prediction right now, I, I'm sure. I think the Warriors are going to kind of win by like an 8-10 point margin for Game 3. Now, if I'm wrong on this, I'm wrong on this because I've been this whole regular season, I've been pointing out how great the Boston Celtics is to the point to where you would think I'm from Boston myself. Like, don't think, like, I've been supporting, even when people slander the uh, Boston, like, slander Tatum, slander Jalen Brown. I've been the guy, Boston Celtics fans and people that have been championing these guys and still behind them. I've never, ever, ever been on the side of trading Jalen Brown. Never, ever been on the side of trading Tatum. I've been believing, even with Brad Stevens, I, I was still like, y'all criticizing Brad Stevens. I still think he's a very, very great coach. I still, th- I still think he should coach this team. Now, obviously, it worked out that he stepped down, you know, as the head coach. But I'm saying I've been defending all of their main guys, Marcus Smart, Tatum Brown, like consistently. You would think I'm from Boston the way I def- I've defended this team over the years. So I, I just want to say that because people hear you predict for – this other team to win and they think oh you you speaking so positive of the Warriors you must not like the Celtics no I don't have no I'm, I'm from Detroit but I don't have no actual like rivalry against the Celtics I've been defending these guys way more than the majority of people you're ever here talk about this team I've been defending this team the the coach the front office the the uh players I've been defending these guys for years now so that's not the case I just really think the Warriors are going to carry over this energy and bring it to Boston that's just what I expect. I do think the crowd is going to be fun to, you know, hear that crowd game three going crazy because, you know, TD Garden is going to be lit. The first finals game since 2010. It's been 12 years since they had a finals game in there. So it's going to be a very lit uh, uh, game. And, yeah, I'm very excited. Um, Draymond, real quick, he had a post game talking about how KD and stuff. I'm not about to really talk about this. You, you're going to hear – ESPN and Fox Sports talk about it for two days. I'm not going to really talk about it. I just really wonder, like, do you think Draymond did this? Because maybe maybe KD and like Draymond text message, like, DM each other, and they did have that good of a conversation. Like, obviously on Twitter, the, the back and forth we saw was very little, and it wasn't really anything disrespectful or crazy. And I'm not saying they, you know, talk shit about each other, like text message a guy on the phone and, and was talking crazy, but... Don't you think it's just it's just weird? Like Draymond is not dumb. He knows everything he says people are gonna talk about, especially when it comes to KD. People are gonna talk about anything he says. So I'm just interested in like hearing like, uh, maybe KD and Draymond had a recent conversation through text or through you know, phone call, and maybe it, it just didn't go well. 
I don't really care. It's none of our business like that, really. But he was basically saying how Steph was always the offense of the Warriors, which that is the truth. Um, wasn't always the best player in that offense every game. Plenty of games because KD's so amazing. Plenty of games KD was the best player on the team. But same way for Steph, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's the obvious. Steph was the offense of the team. We know it. I guess it just kind of feels like if you're KD, like, man, the, the like, climate we're in, or, like, you know what I mean? It just seems as if you, like, okay, obviously the Warriors offense was always built around Steph, but you would like if you're KD, like, man, could you just not say that, though? Like, could you just go past the question and say next question? Like, Draymond obviously says what's on his mind no matter what. I actually respect that about Draymond. But if you're KD, you're like, you don't have to actually say that, though. Like, you don't, you know what I mean? You don't have to say that. Like, as a, as a former teammate, as a guy that really helped those two championships, those last two championships you won, bro, you don't, you don't have to say that. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm sure that's probably how KD feel, but he could also feel like F Draymond. You know what I mean? I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he just don't mess with Draymond for real. And he's just like, you know, F it. You know, I don't know. But it is the truth what Draymond said. It's just climate today, you kind of expect players to just kind of be very, like, very nice about the question to where you're not saying nothing bad about KD, even though he's gone from the team, but you're still praising stuff because that's your teammate. You know what I mean? That's the kind of climate that we're, you know, we're used to. But Draymond, he's the wild card. He's not about to go with the climate. He ain't about to go where people expect him to say. And I kind of respect that. So you can hear all types of opinions on this Draymond comment about KD not being the vocal of the offense or whatever he said. But, um, yeah, game three of the finals, Wednesday, game four on Friday. I probably, depending on how crazy game three is, I might come back with an episode before game four. But definitely after game four at least you know, latest will be after game four. So if you made it this far, I, I really, you know, I, I really fuck with you then, you know. I expected this to be like a, a quicker episode, but I ended up talking 20 minutes longer than I even expected myself to. That's just how it goes. I'm just so passionate about this uh, basketball shit. And, you know, the offseason coming up, you know, free agency always crazy. So ain't gonna stop, you know. Basketball season, girls gotta understand. It's a year damn near a year-round thing to be honest but yeah um game three game four coming up soon again twitter new j-n-u-j-a-y-y-y three y's on that and yeah talking to myself very well y'all be blessed there's a lot of death and stuff going on in this world uh so be blessed and be grateful for life hope y'all have a great great uh monday tuesday wednesday whole week you know so that's Have a great week and thank you for listening. I'm out.